0: sci-fi world yeah uh, Mm. has the appearance of that now considering we're in like this curve of technology that's like that and just feels Mm. like even just like think about like the tupac hologram in the 90s like we haven't seen much more of that since um but then you're just wondering like could could i be talking to a hologram like and it'd be fully convincing and i not know yeah
1: I think the crazy thing for me is is like is the news written by an AI, right? Because they've sort of shown us some of those samples that AI can like produce. Remember those ones that I showed you and it's just like, Wow, actually it's hard to tell that this is written by a machine because like the computer can like it can pick up a style and replicate it. And to me like I remember seeing that it blew me away, hey. And yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's like when I write the copy for everything that we do, like every YouTube video or every Instagram video, when I do the copy, um, I just, I always write in like third person. I take on this like omniscient figure that's like, Lee and Nick are doing this uh, this week, And it's like, it's not me. It's like some other being yeah. comes through me and writes person, the copy.
1: You're, I, I listened to half that um, podcast yesterday and they were talking about how like the the, the laws are called acts and like they, They write it as, like, persons and shit. Yeah, I found that shit interesting, hey? And he
0: says, am I a man? And then, you know, you (laughs) the magistrate to go, yes, you're a man. He goes, how does an act apply to a man?
1: (laughs) It's fascinating, isn't it, hey? And, like, yeah, it's, like, I get what he's saying. There's a way. That's pretty much your job as a lawyer to, like, use your language, to use this language to, like, defend yourself, basically. It's so easy to just, like you know we just get fooled into like accepting a lot of shit. i guess that's, like, I, listen half, yeah, I listen to half yeah i listened to half the po- podcast and like that's what i picked up for it like before i fell asleep it's pretty nuts hey and it's think crazy. about like yeah like even all these lawyers man like it's like they work all these crazy hours and all this shit. And it's just like what what do you do though? Like, most of them can't tell you. Like, <laughs> like um it's weird, hey. Like and it kind of goes the same with like the whole court system. It's just like that's like that, you know, that's like a big connection, isn't it, with like the sci-fi world. Like all of a sudden the courts are kinda like broken, right? Mm. It also goes hand in hand with this virus, right? And then like That's what I was saying. You're just like, just grow a fucking weed plant. Like no one's going to give a fuck. They're too busy fucking arresting someone for not wearing a mask.
0: Well, yeah, that's how it feels right now. Like a lot of (laughs) stuff can go by the wayside, but now (laughs) now more than ever we need to know our rights, man. Like, um, there's a video last night in a place called Dandenong. I know you're from the East coast, so maybe it's just about 30 minutes south of uh, Melbourne CBD. And a lot, it looks a lot like America now, man, like a lot of people in the streets, like, rioting cops, like threatening with like, um, pepper spray and like arrests being made and a lot of real like, um, a lot of violence and a lot of anger in the air. Um, mm. So I can, I can feel there's this civil unrest coming, which is, I'm, I'm you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this is happening. Is this it su-
1: a controversial statement now to say America is the greatest country in the world? Because... I do believe like the foundations that it's built upon, it offers the greatest freedom to its citizens.
0: Well, they're allowed guns compared mm. to, not, not that I'm like a gun toter or anything, but like um, there is this like certain sense ah, of, yeah. but then it's, again, we, we talk about capitalism and the free market and how it's been kind of abolished and uh, made a mockery of by government intervention and, and how, you know, the 1% there is probably more disparate than, a lot of other places, maybe not the most, but like, you know, I, I think again, like, there can be a system, like, on the surface that says we're this, and it could be operating underhandedly. And I think that's kind of how the global economy has been run. It's like, we're democracy, we're fair. And then it's like all these backhands and all this protection and all this secrecy has been going on. And we've all been going, yeah, but democracy's fair. And then, you know, you just kind of slowly look around and go, hang on a minute, none of this seems to be fair or right? You know, what's going on? And then now, now we need to learn our rights. Like we need to learn how to protect ourselves around police officers and, and in court. And, um, this has all been knowledge for years, but I guess not many of us have had to know it, but now people like you and me are like actually learning the technical ways to talk to police officers and, um, a way to defend yourself in court to protect your liberties, because some of the things they want to do here in Melbourne are just, um, completely it's complete fascism, essentially. And um, there's a, a word we have for it fascism, but just basically mm. when the state can completely overpower a human entity. Um, but again, that power is on the surface, it's an illusion. Um, so knowing how to speak your rights and stand up for yourself is very important in this time because there's more of a, a launch to impede on people's basic rights. And yeah, we and so as a result, as a counter reaction, this knowledge is being disseminated to people like us. And, you know, it can continue to be disseminated and we can continue to defend our basic right to exist as a human,
1: you know, it's come to this. Good morning to you too, Lee. Good morning.
0: Good morning. (laughs) Good
1: morning. Welcome to
0: fucking sunrise, hey? Sunrise, yeah, we just need the window, like all the people watching through the window,
1: (laughs) at sunrise. Yeah, 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 you know, the morning shows, hey, the morning shows.
0: Not the kind of stuff but that I yeah.
1: do. Yeah, yeah, well, did you hear apparently Channel 9 is taking Ellen off the air? Because, like, um, I think this, the story is apparently it's because there's this rumor that she's, like, not a nice person to her yeah. staff or behind yeah. closed doors.
0: That's all been unveiled now. But I thought she was already done. I thought her show was over. is not is it not?
1: I'm not sure. That's just the headline oh. I read. I don't know if that headline was written by an AI or if, or if it was real. <laughs> but, it. Like, I thought that's pretty big because Ellen's like a pretty big cultural like cornerstone, right? Within like uh, Hollywood, right? She's mm. had all the big, big movie stars the big pop stars on our show right and like she kind of like to me i'm not an expert in daytime tv talk shows but like to me it was like you know there was oprah and then there was ellen right and like what is it about these shows you think that people like
0: yeah i mean i think they've got like a They've got a spot, don't they? Like, and that's like the big leg up. They've got like a spot on a big network, and so, you know, I think if you took, I don't know, if it's Ellen or Oprah specifically that people like. I think maybe they grow fond of over the personality long term. But like, there's all yeah, the, it's the lights it's and cameras personality, and
1: Personality. It's the yeah. style. It's the celebrities. It's like you know the casual conversations on on the couch, and then they and then they usually will tackle some real issues, right? Or like you know, interview some people struggling or some shit like that. And but then like, what we I saw... don't know. That's my that's my like understanding of the show. Like if what, I was what a we... producer and I was trying to like replicate it, that's kind of like kind of like the ingredients I would say you have to add in. What do you think?
0: Well, because we saw that like when um everything shut down and they started doing their shows from home. Some of these people, I think Fallon did as well, maybe. And, um, Ellen did. And it's just like, you know, kind of this setup, like maybe a little bit more glamorous than just like (laughs) the the bedroom, but like, um,
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing, you they're not, there's, there's something, there's something about the canned laughter and the clapping of the audience that really, um, it's a big operation. It's a big setup. Yeah. Yeah. What, What is that? Hey, what is that? Is it like, yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? When you think about it. And I'm pretty sure, when did canned laughter first come into the game? Like, I know Seinfeld was like a big one that like, like a huge show that had canned laughter. At one point that was the most watched show. I don't know if they were the first ones to have it, but it's kind of like, this idea that, you know, you come home from work, you don't even have the energy to laugh at something. So we'll have the show laugh for you and you can better and, enjoy and it. And if they're
0: laughing, then it must be funny. So I should laugh. It's, <laughs> it's like, have you? I don't know if you've been <laughs> watching any of the football or soccer, if you, if you want to call it that recently, um, they've added an artificial crowd noise in when the goal scored. Cause no one's in the crowd except for the managers. And oh, their, okay.
1: Their, I didn't know
0: crowd. that. Wow. Oh, and it's like, it's weird, man, but it's like comforting almost to hear, and you kind of want to go along with it (laughs) even though you know like they've scored and there's like a big reaction like oh then you're like no one's there but you're like oh but it's good anyway like it's um Yeah, it's it's kind of you're kind of selling yourself on this idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because sports, right? A big thing for sports is like contact, right? Not just like, all right, so we've managed to have sport. We've, all right, it's okay for people to play. Like the people who are playing sport, they can have contact. But like something, there was like a big boxing match in Australia yesterday, and I was watching it. And when the boxer finished, right, normally like all these people are handing their, holding their hands out and stuff, you know, for like a high five or whatever. Like you know, they just like you know that thing where they just like everyone's handing their hand out and they just touch everyone's hand like yeah people were handing their hand out but it was kind of like weird because like was it was like sort of handing their hand close but like <clears throat> not to touch because you can't touch now and like just that human like contact hey was like uh now that it's not there we're trying to like replicate it in some way but like you said well it's not really real the best we can do is just this sort of comforting feeling of like try and simulate some sort of contact contact right it's like what is it about that like virtual like crowd noise that that is at the same time soothing but also uncanny
0: yeah it's uncanny because when your brain kind of figures it out you're like oh this is like <laughs> a, an illusion essentially But <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's soothing because it's like oh well You know i think that's what it is with football i think it's like the crowd and um the crowd being a part of it even through the television when you watch it affects it so much it's like how much this means to people it's like i think because we're a collective consciousness like we really feel what everyone else is feeling And so when everyone is focused on one event it creates this sort of uh resonance and a sense of communion and and football growing up in england as a boy for me like that was the strongest sense of communion I had being a a fan of a team of a popular team. And
1: I think a lot of people feel the same about footy in Australia. Definitely they do. And, um, it's kind of like these, these clubs, they've become very powerful brands, right? That other brands, I don't know, maybe we could, I don't know who's more powerful. Um, Toyota or West Coast Eagles, but you know, then these brands want to associate themselves with these brand with like these footy club brands. You know what I mean? And the same sort of things happening in UK with football. Right. But there's a whole, whole, whole lot more money going around there. Um, cause it oh, attracts yeah. the eyeball. It attracts the eyeballs, doesn't it? And like, yeah, a lot of like, even the players of brands, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm just like thinking of like uh, a pretty iconic brand name, you know, when you say these names like Zlatan Ibrahimović, when you say these names like Lionel Messi, when you say Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it evokes certain emotions for people and they're just like, they're, and then, you know, and the clubs, and it all comes down to the individual, right? Because then these clubs are willing to pay money. For certain, for these certain player, because these certain players, their name has certain brand name connotations and certain clubs are willing to pay a lot of money so they can be associated with their brand name, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, even like um, typical moves, I think like there's one, there's Park who played for Korea um, and Man United bought Park just randomly And then I realized, well, their career market is going to explode and everyone in Korea who's kind of like on the fence supporting like all different clubs are all going to support Manchester United now because they've got their biggest player. So it was almost like a business decision in a way rather than a football decision. Not saying he wasn't a good player because he was quite a good player, but you can kind of feel this like, okay, yeah, like they would understand the ramifications of that in the economics side of the game. They understand how lucrative of a decision that would be if they could play this player and have him feature in the team so that it's such a major major business world that you don't see much of that when you're watching the game but how much money think about when one player gets transferred now usually it's an excuse for about a hundred million in some of these big transfers a hundred million dollars to get transferred over from one club to another for a single man it's a lot of weight to put on one man's shoulders but that's the kind of numbers mm-hmm. we're looking at in this in this business and i think sport and along with music and say the film industry are probably like the biggest cultural um phenomenas that we have in society they influence and shape our culture so much they're what we connect through you know
1: yeah yeah definitely They're definitely like the vessel for a lot of conversation isn't it you know you come in the office and if someone's if someone team won on the weekend they'd be a happier for whatever reason even though that makes zero material difference to your life
0: yeah because um, you were never really that serious like, like were you yeah i guess you weren't born in england so when you had a soccer team you were a manchester united fan you you didn't take it too seriously when they lost did you
1: yeah no nah, like fifa I, you took it a bit
0: more seriously when i beat you at fifa
1: yeah Cause I had a bit more skin in that game. I think and that, that brings us to an interesting idea about skin in the game. And for me, when I have skin in the game, I'm a lot more motivated to, um, to, to like, uh, to achieve results, right? Because it's like, oh, if I fuck up, I lose. If I win, I get something. And, I don't know. I guess playing FIFA was just like the satisfaction that, like you know, it's kind of like you know, just compet- competitive nature, right? You, even th- even winning that is kind of pointless, really, if you think about it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think the this whole concept of the skin in the game I find really interesting because I think that's that's like uh, that's something a lot of people who manage other people are now finding, how, how do you motivate your staff to, to achieve, to do their best work, right? And like, I, I don't have the answer to that, um, but I think it has something to do with uh, people having some sort of skin in the game. And I think in any case, if you if you perform better, for performing better if you get a reward for it you're going to be a bit more motivated aren't you Lee
0: there's an i I'm not going to be I'm going to butcher this um <clears throat> there was a study done a while ago uh that showed that cuz for a long time in capitalism they thought that financial reward was like the best motivator for productivity um you know if we give you commission or more money if you do well then you're going to really want to do well because you're going to get that money and they figured out that that's the co- a, usually the correlation is,
1: stuff yeah
0: correlation is really poor <clears throat> um and that that's actually not the case and that i feel that like when someone gets a sense of meaning and they have a sense of alignment with their work um rather than chasing something they've they've already landed with something and they work from that place. because
1: you yeah. see, that's the thing I'm open to with like, uh, so-called, like giving people individual incentives. The, this, this, this problem is open. I think, I don't know, whoever figures it out, I think, um, can make like how to motivate people. Well, like, I think that's like, um, that's like a problem. If you solve that, like, you know, you can get a lot done, but yeah, going back to what you are saying, yeah, I understand the problem can be where, if you give sort of these like, I don't know, sort of some performance based incentives, right? Well that immediately in in a way disincentivizes, you view your teammate, if you're working as a team, almost as like a competitor, right? And then this might like bring it back to the sports, especially football or soccer, whatever we're gonna call it. We have to settle on a term we're gonna use um, is uh, usually it's like, uh, it's definitely a team effort. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, that'd be an interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know how they organize like with players. I'm sure like um, they have a metric, right? If you're a forward, you might get a bonus if you score a set amount of goals in a season. And if you're a goalkeeper, if you get a bunch of clean sheets, or I don't know what they use for defenders and midfielders. But like maybe there's a middle ground that you can use where you know everyone gets a little bit of incentive but still the incentive still say stays the same of oh we still need to like work together and help each other out to win Mm. right
0: it always comes back to why like you look at um the best manager in the game right now he um has such an infectious charm and love and it's about becoming better and better and better and better not about winning the titles and the winning the titles becomes the byproduct of becoming better and better and better and better and better. And he has this like i say an infectious energy where people want to to reach his enthusiasm so he's kind of become a one-man band and everyone has pulled around him and respected this sense of um self-development and it's attracted some of the best players in the world and, and it's really he's the beat he's beating the drum and everyone's following his beat and I think you have to start with your why and his why is to become better and better and better and better. It's just growth, a growth mindset. It's not about, I I need to lift this trophy. It's like, if I do, if I grow, 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 I might get to lift a trophy. But at the moment I start focusing on the trophy, I get caught in polarity where like I get attached to the idea of winning the trophy. So then when the big game comes, you might lose it because you're freaking out because you don't want to lose. Whereas if you're like, Hey, it'd be great to win this, but I want to get better, better and better and better and better. And I trust that path I go on you know, it's going to lead me to the trophies, but I don't know for a fact. I think that's like a a superior mindset to have. And it takes the first individual to start with that mindset and then to like, hopefully be in a position of leadership where you can influence other people to adopt that mindset. And then you can build like a whole resonance chamber where the team adopts that. So even if you're the guy who's like the youngster, who's not spending much time on the pitch and he's like on the bench a lot, you're not feeling like you're trying to, cut someone else's spot, you know, you're trying to just work hard and hard and hard. And on that proviso you may get picked. And, and so everyone feels like they've got a fair chance. So they follow this like philosophy of giving my all, giving my best. Mm. Um, so I think that's an example of a very, very, and you know, this, this man I'm talking about, German man, Mr. Klopp, he's um, yeah. hired by Adidas and all these big corporations to give leadership um he, I think he makes probably more money off these endorsements with like businesses than he does in his contract potentially because he's yeah. such a world renowned leader, so well respected. And
1: he, he has an authentic personal brand.
0: Oh yeah. Very authentic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I like the one thing I, I I know what you mean by he has a charm and he has a way with words, even though English isn't his first language, I remember like. I don't know who showed me it, but like when the whole virus thing started kicking off and like the reporters were asking him and he's like, I, I don't know. I'm not the expert. Like I talked you know, to football someone manager. else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know
0: anything about this.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's, uh, he's humble. Yeah. that That's an important, that's an important quality to have. If you're going to be leading people, I think, right, because you want to be you want to demand respect but at the same time you want people to feel like they can tell you things when they need to in like a respectful way because at the end of the day we're all human beings and we all going to make mistakes even if we are in position of leadership so yeah i think that's like like a healthy balance to have where you're kind of like look i'm the leader i have the final call but to also have this respect with the people under you to be like open to communication and like genuinely hear their like suggestions and and um take it on board. I think there's like a fine line of balance that goes on there and it sounds like Jurgen is um doing something right.
0: And and I think this is why that idea of getting a financial reward, having something external to motivate you, this is where it fails because it's it's conditional. It's like it's something outside of you, you're giving your power to. So it doesn't really help you as f- fuel, you know, when the day, when the, when the days get tough, cause when the days get tough, you're not, you're thinking about like failure, like, Oh, what if I don't get this? And then you feel f- failure. And then you want to give up um, cause things might get tough. Financial rewards work if it's easy work and you just need to like keep focused. But if you've got to change and come through adversity, you need the strength within not without in order to be able to get there, get over the line. And I think we're constantly searching for our why as human beings and we're constantly refining our why. And when we operate from like a clean why every day, why am I doing this? And we know that and we sit in that. Um, I think that's when we enter like a purple patch in our lives where like, you know, things just all seem to be in harmony. Everything you touch seems to turn into gold. Everything starts to feel right, you know, no matter what, um, what endeavor you enter. Cause I think when, when you're doing things right, you, all these other doors and avenues open up and you start to cross pollinate in certain areas and fields of life. You're not just one, you're not just a banker. or you're not just a football manager, you're not just mm. an author, you know, you start to get, if you're an author, you might start to get a radio deal. And then, you know, if you get that radio deal, you might get offered to write a screenplay for a film and you know, you know what I mean? And, and like, if, if they're all in alignment, you start,
1: hit, heart, you start hitting the right buttons at the right time
0: you start getting home runs on a regular basis, Mm. but it's because you don't jeopardize, you don't do it for the money and you know, like sell yourself out. You're in line with your why, whatever that is for an author. It might be, they want to express the deep emotion that's inside of them, that the only way they know how to do it effectively is to write it and, or to express it like that. And, um, and they're tuning into their emotion and they're just expressing and they're just expressing and they're just expressing and that's their, their why and they live from that and they just follow that and they don't sell out to anyone else, they just keep focused within. I think the people who really do excel are the ones that are so connected to themselves that they're able to just be a generator, a generator of energy and they're able, like, they don't need to be plugged in or they don't need to be relied, reliant on, like, some external fuel source from someone else, they're just able to continue to run by themselves, They create their own biorhythm and just Repeat, 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 repeat. And they're the ones that just start creating all the waves in the world. And um, yeah, obviously like people flock around those people that are creating those waves. And we, we all want to be those people because we all want to know what it's like to feel completely fulfilled in the moment and completely in alignment with what you're doing. Because you realize like When you get attached to what you're doing like if you really want to be a podcast host or if you really want to be um yeah a screenwriter or an actor or whatever you realize it's never really the thing that you want to do it's the process and the action of doing it and feeling in alignment with it that you chase like you wouldn't want to if you really want to be an actor but you have to like go through hell to do it and you don't enjoy it one bit but you become really successful it wouldn't be worth it like i mean that's that's not for me to say i suppose but for me it wouldn't be worth it um, whereas if I in love acting because of the cathartic release and I get to embody someone else and get to be someone else and I get to feel free performing and I get to challenge myself, but then I can feel that way through doing something else, I w- I wouldn't care if if I as long as I get to experience that cathartic release and that process, I'd be I'd be happy. So it's like it's an inner game we're always playing and it's like when you just play the inner game of yourself and, and you uh, win the game with yourself every day even though you're not trying to beat yourself you're just trying to you're trying to be in rhythm with yourself you just let all of the external stuff happen whether it means you become an actor whether it means you become an activist or whatever you know it doesn't really matter and you can put labels on it but you just kind of let it unfold the way it needs to and and like many people nowadays like our generation Apparently uh, parents generations would only have two jobs in their lifetime is the average, uh, like in two different fields. Um, we I think are going to work across 10 different fields in our lifetimes. And, you know, for me, I've probably already may- maybe hit 10. I would be definitely in the high single digits, seven, seven or eight jobs easily, but I probably have worked more than 10 jobs or-, or been in more than 10 fields already in my lifetime. So just, yeah. just how multifarious we're coming, becoming as beings. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, uh, I just want to like rewind a little bit to what you were saying just a minute ago about people, uh, about the process, right? And um, mm. I think you answered why people like sports, right? Because it's like they can uh, maybe what's the word, vicariously live through someone else, mm. like be it the, the team as a whole or whatever and um, it's also the feeling of fairness right it's like my sports is like a level playing field right and it's like they can vicariously live through the through the through the team or through whatever thing they they follow right and it's like you were saying it's like the process right and then like afterwards they feel they feel cause they're emotionally invested. They feel happy or sad after based on a game. I mean, that's like, um, that's like a really big deal in society right now because I feel like uh, a big thing that's keeping, uh, the wheels going and what's helping a lot of people communicate is through these sports that we've got going on. And that's why there's like, yeah, there was this, uh the situation in australia is like the way that playing the sports is like i don't know they have these teams in these like there's a lot of efforts gone to like keep keep the show going on the show must go on
0: yeah because it's like um I, I i like how you put it like we kind of rely on the sports to be able to communicate with other people otherwise it's like it's a shared interest that most of us have in common i, I always say like go back to the 60s and like everyone had the Beatles in common. Everyone liked the Beatles. Yeah. Um, but like I'm even, not
1: hating on sports. I love sports.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love sports too. And I've tried to, yeah. I've tried to, I've seen it from the angle that like, oh, it's like a grown man chasing a ball around. And, and I get that. Like it has very elementary and stuff like that. But, and I've tried to not like it. And then I realized that that was a really forced act on my part. And I, I just really love it. Like I've loved it since I was, I have my favorite sport, which is soccer, but I've had that, crush on it since i was four and i haven't been able to shake it and then i realized that why why do i need to like i, I kind of mm. saw all the advertising all the economics and how you know if you look into it deeper i think there's probably a lot of like um invisible hand stuff going on if you want to put it like that like
1: what, what do you think about the, is there's the don't hate the player hate the game apply um <sighs> maybe i
0: I think there's like bigger interests involved and i think it becomes a business i mean look even on like a a superficial level it's clear to see that sometimes um a lot of money gets invested into one club and the club becomes really good and it's like okay is that fair but what's fair like so there's that but then i think my hunch has always been that it goes deeper and that like it's almost planned who
1: wins in a way
0: like to um yeah I think what um, but I think it's
1: interesting, it, right? What? Cause like you were saying a lot of money gets invested into like, say, I dunno, like, uh, there's Manchester city, for example, used to not be that big of a team and then all of a sudden they got all this money invested in it. But like, uh, it's kind of like, but then that means more money gets attracted to the pool of money that's in the league. Right. And then even if you're like bottom of the ladder team, you benefit from how much money is invested into this pool. Right. Mm. Well, that that's it because I think it's like spinning
0: plates. Like, if um, like in Scotland, which is the country next to England, this one team has won it for like the last nine years in a row, and it's kind of like, oh, you know. Whereas what they figured out in the in England, which is the biggest country in the world for the sport, um, in terms mm. of like broadcast and stuff like that, is if we can have mm. Arsenal win it one year and get them spinning, yep, and now all the Arsenal fans are really interested. Okay, we can put that down for a second and then get Manchester United to win. And then they get give it them for a couple of years. And then Chelsea city, Liverpool, all these different clubs. And now all of a sudden it becomes much more of a spectacle and you've got many more people interested. Whereas if Liverpool never won it or were never in an, with a shot all the Liverpool fans would probably just go start watching rugby or something. So they've kind I'm, of figured this out, I think. And I think they kind of cycle between teams. <laughs> That's how it feels like to me. And it's just hard yeah, to yeah. maybe I'm a bit.
1: But like these names you bring up, Chelsea, like Liverpool, Manchester United, they're kind of like memes, right? Like, they're, they, they like represent a certain image and, like, uh, I don't know, they have a certain character associated to them, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. And, yeah. like, yeah, go on. they, they kind of like, but it's funny because, like, what it starts about in the grassroots is like, Take Liverpool for example—the the city's history and the culture, and um, like the songs and anthems, and the camaraderie of being someone from Liverpool. But then on the other
1: side, like, yeah. Tell, tell me it. a little bit more about that. Well, then, like you par- parallel it, and then—is no. it Liverpool's like a working-class town, isn't it? Like um, industrial, the industrial revolution really like it boomed in that time. And well, what, there's something about I it where know, they. How they much of the together. history do you know?
0: Um, well, I know a little bit, but like not very much, but I think there's what I knew growing up around Liverpool is there is this un, there's like an indomitable spirit where there's so much faith and love in the, within the club and within the fans. And when you go to the ground, it's not even one of the biggest grounds in terms of capacity, but like far out, like the feeling and the, 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 sound and the pitch like it's hard to imagine that and a lot of people often say that that ground is like the best ground is it, in, is
1: it, in a, is it a spectacle
0: it's a spectacle because there's so much there's so much belief and love in and i don't know exactly where it comes from but there's this like bond there's this bond for adversity that's what i feel with with that club that like they understand adversity and pain and hardship and struggle. And cause my father's from Liverpool and, and he kind of grew up with that life work hard. Life is hard. Um, be, be tough or get fucked up kind of thing. So there's that mindset, but there's like this within the club, there's this like unity over that of knowing that, knowing how hard it is and it being like, okay. And there being like acceptance for like how hard it is and God, it creates such a, amplification and the noise there and also just like the feeling of the club and it reaches all over the world like in Thailand I think it's the number one club um, and they've obviously got they don't know like what any of this is that I'm saying to them but they I guess they feel it but they don't know any of the lineage or, or what it's like to be in the city of Liverpool or anything like that and you like you say it becomes a, a meme and that's how energy works it like just spreads far and wide um, to all the corners of the world. And these are the institutes that in a way we empower, we empower them through our attention. I think this is why I've had like um, second thoughts about, you know, like investing so much of my attention into the sport. But like I say, I, I do enjoy it. And I, uh, mm. yeah, I, I allow myself to like feel good and, and and do what feels right in every given moment um, by watching it. But yeah, I think we do end up giving an intense amount of power to these clubs. And then that, you know, filters into like advertising, all the advertising we get exposed to when we watch the games and how we are kind of funding, um, through watching, we're funding basically these big transfers and, and, and this huge massive empire. I think that's okay. It's happening. If that's
1: the mark, if that's what the market demands, I mean, no one's forcing anyone to watch football. Are they? They choose to.
0: No, we choose exactly. So. We have yeah. got to be happy with our choice if we're making it, otherwise we've got to make a different choice. Um, but this, is yeah,
1: and you feel there's me. a fair exchange there. You you watch the game. I don't know. You might watch some ads during halftime or whatever, and like that's your investment, and you're happy with that transfer, right? Well, I haven't stopped at this point, but you know we'll see. Yeah. It's kind of
0: weird that there's no fans at the moment. I think they probably do want to get fans back soon to keep it going because that does kind of there's a lot of money in, in the just the bums on seats in the stadiums. So I think a lot of clubs are really not, not the big, big clubs have been struggling, but the lower clubs have been really struggling. I think like in the second division and the third divisions, they're uh, potentially could go bankrupt um, because they just, they, they rely on that revenue, that day to day revenue so much, you know, let me
1: ask you something. Does it cost that much to play a game of football? How much does it cost
0: the, to go sit in the stadium?
1: And to play a game of football if that's what you really love to do how much does it cost it's free
0: yeah, in yeah. The, in that's theory. the beauty of it isn't it it's, it's a world game like we yeah anyone can play that's the, yeah. that's the inclusion i thought it's so beautiful and and we all played when we were kids so we all some played.
1: people even call it a language right because like it's like through football you can communicate to other people that don't even speak the same language as you linguistically, but if you play a game with them, you can communicate.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, it brings all races yeah. together, all parts of the world together. I mean, how many things on this planet can connect me to someone from Uruguay within seconds or whatever, mm. and I feel like I, I, I can connect with this energy of Uruguay or you know, wherever Botswana it's, it's really yes. unique and incredible and impressive in that, in its scale and it's so scope.
1: it's interesting now that we're in the lens of the world football, the world game, let's call it that. Um, soccer, whatever you want, you can label it however you want. And the United nations of football, is this organization called FIFA. Do you know what that stands for? I know it's a French.
0: International Federation Association, something like that. Inebriation, Mm -hmm.
1: ejaculation. (laughs) And they're sort of like an organization that's like swamped with controversy. yet Everyone just goes along with them. Like,
0: everyone has because everyone um, watch the sport maybe
1: i could maybe i could even relate that to the idea of united nations as well another organization that is controversial i and know like, man
0: part of, feeling, the oh, part of me is feeling
1: the parallel there
0: part of me is feeling like what's been going on with um for those of you who don't know with the qatar world cup qatar this small country that has a very uh, recent history in football and the World Cup is the biggest sport, uh, sporting event in the world on par with the Olympics um, and they've given it to this country and everyone kind of thought well yeah we well, you know what happened there because Qatar is an oil-based country and it's got heaps of money and um, it's thrown off the whole schedule because um, the World Cup is always played in June and July and it's too hot in Qatar and so what that means is they've moved it to December Um, which is during the middle of all the club seasons. So they've changed the whole sport for this one um, country so they can have the World Cup, which just doesn't seem conducive. And also the infrastructure. So they haven't had the infrastructure. You need to have at least eight eight or 10 stadiums, I think, of like at least 40,000 people to make it viable because obviously you've got people from all over the world traveling, paying their money for the, tickets and if the stadium's too small it means they're not going to make much money so they've got to make these big stadiums and Qatar only had one or two at the time and so they've had to build these incredible structures in the space of like I don't know maybe like six or eight years and they've been basically employing slave labor from um, neighboring countries and all these people have been dying while they're working building the stadiums because there's no health and safety regulations and um I think the number was in the hundreds at like at the beginning of the process. So I don't know how many people have died now. And it just feels, and and I don't think these guys are getting paid a lot of money, put it that way. So it just feels like kind of awful to be honest with you. And it almost makes you feel like, do I even want to watch this? Do I even want to give my approval by giving my attention to this, this game, you know, do I boycott this decision in a way because of the lives it's affecting, it just feels like uh, it's not been done ethically at all. Um, and these are the other like issues that get brought up in the bigger picture. When you look at the bigger picture and stand back with the game, um, yeah, the ethics is kind of just like torn, but you can say the same about the meat industry. You can say the same about, you know, so many things. Uh...
1: I'll debate you on the meat industry. Well, what well, I'm saying like, about the meat I, industry. I still, not, I still want to, I still want
0: to. Um, I'm not judging I'm meat still... eaters or anything, man. I'm just, <laughs> saying, I'm just saying that if like a chicken is like in a cage, you know, is that a fair living? Is it when we can do better because we can do better. Ah, okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Don't eat meat. I'm just saying like, and then it goes with like the cows and the way they're raised and things like that. But if you get like a well-raised cow, um. A well-raised pig you know i've never seen an issue in in doing that because if you're taking life from a pig or a cow it's the equivalent of taking a life of an apple just because an apple doesn't have eyes and it can't look back at you doesn't mean you're not taking a life and and so we should say the same about um these stadium workers but I, I think we could do better i think that's what it is i think we can do better and and we're not well, we're following
1: this I think, you know, what's it called? Those who don't learn the history are doomed to repeat it, right? So if you look at like a lot of these, the Olympics is the same, same principle, right? And, um, you look at, I don't know, South Africa, they were the last place to host the world cup and, um, don't quote me on this, but apparently I heard some of the stadiums they built up there are now being used as um, bus bus shelters, right? So you can sort of think about it like it's like this spectacle, everyone gets roused up and then most of the time who pays for these events, right? I mean who pays for this infrastructure? It's the taxpayers of that local place and they get promised that like, oh this is going to bring us all this tourism money, we're going to upgrade our infrastructure, like and then they come there, the show happens, the sponsors pay, you know, someone makes money and then, you know, the show leaves and uh, there's not much investment. There's not much reason to keep, I don't know, maintaining these structures or anything. So they tend to just sort of fall apart. That's the case in, um, in South Africa. I heard similar story when like Athens had the Olympics recently, similar sort of story. Um, and yeah, it's like, um, not many places have these events, like the world cup and the Olympics. It's like the people get promised. Cause it's, you know, usually the taxpayers that have to pay, they get promised the world, like how good this is. And then, you know, um, bunch of people make money off it. And then, you know, usually the people are the ones who, who, fo- who, who sort of foot the bill. Right. Um, and it's, uh, it's all, it's all for the, for the spectacle, right? And there's, it's something interesting, right? Because now all these sort of like, all these like, uh, talking about like, uh, what's right and what's wrong. A lot of these big companies that advertise, um, have started taking some moral stances on certain issues. And I think it's, uh, it's gotten to the point now where it's, uh, reached, uh, Reach some sort of level of absurdity of like, well, what, what, what is, why, why is there, why is there so much virtue signaling, I guess, going on? Um, and yeah, I guess that's, well, like, um, it's sort of like FIFA we know is a very corrupt organization yet they talk about how much they care about, I don't know, fair play and racism mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's one example. Yeah. Um, so it's, I guess my message to people is, is like, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy things, enjoy life. But these spectacles I see are a way to, we are sort of talking about hypnotic effects, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a swindle and then we can bring it back full circle to Ellen. And is, uh, my question is, 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 is Ellen a snake oil snail salesman? And I'm saying the snake oil she's selling is the idea she's promoting.
0: It's always predicated on, there's always two sides. So no, one's ever the villain. FIFA's not the villain. Ellen's not the villain. We're all cooperators in it. And, but I think it's all about the system that we're in, um, and how we always get attracted to the biggest light. It always seems like that. If we're if we're moths, we all fly to like the sun, as opposed to like the light bulb in your kitchen. And I think this is what's. I think we, all of our conversations seem to go back to this like idea of decentralization, and how. You know, the TV was the god for the last fifty, sixty years. It's changed in the last, let's say, decade, maybe yeah. two decades. So,
1: and now we've now we've got YouTube, and now and the we, kids who have been raised on YouTube, they're they're completely different.
0: But then YouTube's getting PC and um, you know completely censored. So then, is there going to be a new thing? And if there is, and then, for instance, um, why why would I watch the World Cup <clears throat> on a Saturday night if I could watch my Best friends talk shit or whatever. And, and like I say, things become decentralized and there isn't this like magnetic pull. Like the World Cup's still on, it's on YouTube or on whatever, but like, yeah, there's the same you. kind of pull where, like, because everything's about energy and it's all about like what you see on your day to day. Like, um, for instance, like I never, ever, ever watch the news, but for example, if, if someone who I live with does, or if I, even if I just walk, there's this one laundromat where I walk past every day when I get my coffee and they've always got the news on and I always fucking look at the fucking screen and I go, oh, for fuck's sake, like, and I just see, like, this stupid, like, death count or whatever the heck they're doing on it and then I'm like, oh, that's on my bloody head and then, you know, you get, like, sucked in and all it takes is, like, a second for you to look at it and I don't mean walk around the streets doing this because that's not going to help but, you know, it's all about like the placement of things, and I think yeah, you're talking about like um, the scheme that the World Cup is really what do you see. McDonald's front and center, oh, no, right man. by the center uh, spot. Uh, McDonald's, McDonald's. So then now McDonald's is in your head, and we know what your subconscious mind does. So it picks up that and goes McDonald's, 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 McDonald's,
1: McDonald's. McDonald's is associated to a good feeling that you've had. Oh, a good were, feeling because when he scored and, and your yeah. team won, yeah. <laughs> scored, I saw
0: McDonald's, and so McDonald's aren't that bad. Maybe I will get a chicken burger tonight instead of cooking. So,
1: Yeah. This is the other thing I had a thought about like, while we're on, while we're on, while we're on the sports ball episode, um, the idea that nationalism has been, what's the word I'm looking at, but basically nationalism now is just you supporting your team. Right? So that's how you bond over being an Australian or being right. Um, and that's how you like, get that even identity passed down from let's say your parent or or elder like it's through it's through like for the most part usually watching some sports and supporting supporting your team you know whether you're like a scottish person and you know um scotland's on and the national anthem comes on and you you got your son there and you're like this is you know this Mm. is like this is you should you know you feel proud pride here you know but is that like uh, is that like uh, uh, commodification of culture and national identity?
0: Commodification because of
1: it's all wrapped around in sponsors, like you were oh, saying. It's like, sp- this, oh, yeah. This is that feeling, is like, like you were saying, you're watching the national anthem. I'm like, I'm, I'm like Scottish and yeah, like, you know, gotcha. like my, my dad's there and he's telling me, like, you should be proud of this and you're watching it and like everywhere yeah, you see Like, totally. Adidas, all this stuff.
0: These people have figured out energy, frequency, and vibration as Tesla talks about. They figured out that if it may sound arbitrary because of free will, but they figured out on law of averages, if you put your fucking McDonald's sign in front of a hundred thousand people, there are still going to be vegans who just go, no, I'm not going to eat McDonald's. Sure. Whatever. But a lot of people it's going to drift in and instead of going to their local burger joint to get a burger that night, they're going to go to McDonald's. And they figured this out a long time ago and they figured out that it's like when you, when you receive energy, it becomes like a part of you. And, And that's why advertising has always been that like, it's, it's kind of the secret that doesn't get talked about that much that like the su- it's the success behind businesses, but you have to take a punt as a business on advertising to make it work. You have to put in a million dollars or whatever, and, and there's no guarantee of return. But when done in the right fashion, it works and it works big, big time and it creates these massive congloms. And yeah, it's there in front of us from the ages of like two or three, again, instead of vilifying it, like I think a lot of people do, we're going to probably go a different approach. In this discussion, because it's like it's the best we've had, it's in our system, but now we're questioning that current system. And again, okay,
1: now I have one final question for you. Tell me the difference between advertising and memes.
0: I would ask answer your and question is, with another question. Is that, a, is is that a
1: trick question? <laughs> I'd say, What is it the is. difference? <laughs> there is none, it's a frequency, in my opinion. Ad- advertising is an
0: offer. They're both offers.
1: Uh, memes, right? They're like an image or something. An image usually with text, right? That you feel powerful. It sparks some emotion and you want to pass it on to the next person. Yeah. Isn't that the holy grail of advertising? Yeah. Yeah. See so based on
0: the, the laws of the universe, of the law of free will, McDonald's have every right to do what they're doing. And it's because we eat it up. But then we've got to, f- and literally, pun intended, um, but we've got to figure out why are we eating it up? And I think it's because our this is, ah, this is, now it's full circle. Our sources of information have been limited. We've been living in a centralized system, i.e. the television where you only have access to a few sources. Meanwhile, the internet has been less censored, probably becoming more censored now, but that doesn't concern me because I think what often happens is like, like for example, with Bitcoin, you know, when, when, Something becomes too tyrannical, a counterbalance occurs and and a solution comes. So, when there's a problem, there's always a solution that arises. So, it's like this big dance that we have. Um, I'm really excited to see more of this, like, kind of decentralising, deconstruction and, again, I think it will probably, there will be less, there will be more lights around rather than just being the one great sun, i.e. the World Cup, i.e. Dancing with the Stars or whatever the fucking shows are that everyone watches where um, we may be using this technology as a open source free platform where you have access to everything and therefore you can make choices and therefore we become more holistic and more one rather than oh, this is Ellen, fucking watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And if you're like, I don't like Ellen that much, it's like, okay, but watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And the advertising effect happens and then it may not get you first, it may get your sister or something. And then your sister starts watching, 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 watching every day. And then your sister turns to you and starts to go, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And this is how energy travels. And then eventually you go, all right, I'll fucking watch it. And, oh, it's not so bad. You know, I'm not saying it was bad, but, um, and then that's how like kind of a contagion spreads is how like influence occurs. Um, through this positioning that certain um, companies and TV shows, or whatever have been afforded. It's all about positioning, but we may be entering a new playing field where positioning, like we say, like with Ellen, it just looked funny. Having her on YouTube, it didn't work. She didn't translate well. And then why now of all times did all this stuff come out about her? Why didn't this come out 10 years ago came out because it wasn't working. And then in that kind of silence, it was like, eh, actually, um, I got something to say about this chick and everyone probably put up with all of her bitchiness because they were getting paid or because, you know, they were part of this ecosystem that was creating a product that was being successful, that was being tuned into. And when that success got pulled out, then people started to go, yeah, this is actually fucked up. I should say something. And then it all fell apart. And that's why I think it fell apart now of all times. And it didn't fall apart last year when everything was going breezy Um, because finally the facade. The dust was able to settle and the facade was able to become more and more evident. And people around in that vicinity of the facade were able to process it and go, "Okay, this is kind of messed up. Actually, we should probably do something." But yeah, we tend to like act slowly sometimes around these things. Like, for instance, we know that all this corruption has been going on in so many different areas of the world, whether it's sport, whether it's politics, and I don't know if it takes us to stop what we're doing and fully focus our attention on that, but if I did that with FIFA's corruption, for instance, or the Epstein case or something like that, um, I wouldn't, you know, what would I be doing with my life? Like I would just stop everything I'm doing to go and chase that one thing down. It's like, yeah, I, I guess you, we're evolving and we're trying to, we're trying to choose our information as wisely as possible. And I think the platform we use and the accessibility we have is the, most crucial thing. So finding a platform where you can have uncensored information to be experienced and to cultivate that creates a strong frequency. And if there's no biases involved and corruption through money is eradicated, you can continue to disseminate a pure frequency. And I have a feeling that a lot of these pure frequencies can come through a new decentralized world that we're entering in through the internet where we're becoming more advanced and we're stepping, we're sidestepping all these corrupted um, conglomerations and we're finding a way to build a platform that is probably through something like cryptography or something again, where like it's basically anti-corruptible. I'm seeing a deeper vision here, man. Help me pull it out uh, of my brain. Um, Uh,
1: I think you're going to have go on
0: imagine a platform that is anti-corruptible so like but it's it's tough because when you start talking about censorship it's like you know I, i i don't feel very much should be censored but at the same time if someone put like some guy murdering some other guy like and it was like right in front of me i'd be like oh geez like so i think there's like a way of searching something and having a channel and it's, it's it's tough man i think it's like all or nothing you've got to be able to like show everything or show nothing and i think we're too afraid of certain things we're too afraid of rape certain kinds of violence um they're probably the two main things and we just don't want to see those things so as a result we justify why things get censored and and then it basically just creates a fucking helter skelter where everything gets censored and we kind of give away our civil liberties but I think it's just because we don't want to see those two things, violence and rape, whereas if we can come to terms with our society as to why these things are going on um, and kind of like start constructive conversations about them rather than locking people away and punishing people, um, I think that we could actually remedy these imbalances on the planet and through doing so people wouldn't really need to post videos about violence and rape and then as a result we would be able to have an open source like clean platform where people can post whatever they want and it would be a a more solidified, fairer network of spreading ideas because that's what the planet is looking for. It's like a fair, balanced, even playing field that is kind of like resistant to corruption essentially so that or censorship, because when, where do you draw the line with censorship? And now like, you know, I could say the F word, or I could just say one thing that the government doesn't like, and you know, boom, my show's pulled. And that's, that's BS. We need something that's, we need something that's like able to resist such corruption and such bias. We need a platform, a global platform like that. if we're, if we're going to, you know, kind of disseminate information on such a grand level, otherwise we don't, otherwise we stop using technology
1: and that's that's okay. All I want to say is thank you for tuning in and if the McDonald's marketing department is watching, we've, we, I'm going to call it reverse marketing. So we've propagated the meme of McDonald's for free, but look, we're open to sponsorship deals. I'm happy to eat double quarter pounders on air. Um, thank you for watching and I'll catch you next week.